0: Jesus, I just praise you and I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for um, that you didn't leave us alone as orphans. That, Lord, you even have that heart in you um, that Jesus spoke of with Israel, where he said he he wanted to uh, put them under his wings like a mother hen and protect them. So, Lord, you also understand a mother's heart, Lord, because you're the one that made it, made a mother's heart. So, Lord, we thank you for that. That you take care of us, you rear us, you protect us, um, and Lord, you take hits for us. So, Lord, uh, just be with us as we read your word, that you would speak through me, Jesus, uh, less of me, more of you, and Lord, that you would help us to prepare our own hearts to receive your word, including me. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, last week, I like to recap. So, I like to recap so that we can keep tracking. Uh, through God's Word. So if you don't know how we do it here, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, We've been going through the Bible. Once in a while, I'll bounce to a different book, but we try to finish that book out, and then we bounce back. So if you've been with me uh, since I started teaching, I started in Genesis. So we've gone Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and now we're in Joshua. And actually, we're more than halfway done with Joshua. So The next book we're jumping to is the book of second opinions. I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) We're going to be jumping into Judges. Um, But yeah, that's why I like to recap a little bit. So right now, Joshua is giving out the land by lot. You know, Um, if you don't know what that means, um, the priests, the Lord had given the priests Um, these kind of like, um, I guess the the closest thing to modern day would be dice, that they would throw and the Lord would show them what they wanted to do. Now, Pastor Juan explained uh, weeks ago that like as born again Christians, we don't need this because the Lord's given us the Holy Spirit to help us to know, and he's given us God's word to guide us. So we don't have to sit there and and, uh, cast lots or throw dice so that we know what God wants us to do, the Lord can speak to us, and we should be in the Word so we know God's heart towards things. So I don't sit there confused, saying, "Oh man, my enemies come to, to to do something to me. Um, what should I do?" I don't I don't sit there confused. I I read the words of Jesus where He says, "Love your enemies." He He says to pray for them, um, and and He tells me to do things in wisdom, right? So then I, I sit there and I ask the Lord, what, what is it that you specifically want me to do? He probably doesn't want me to punch my enemy in the face. Though so I think he's okay with it sometimes. <laughs> but you got to let the Lord lead you, you know, because then you don't know what kind of punch he needs, you know, like maybe he needs a haymaker. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you, you know, the Lord guides us. Like, let's say somebody tells you, hey, man, I know a way you can save on your bills and it is not legitimate. And you're like, you don't have to sit there and say, Lord, what should I do? You know, maybe I should go the illegitimate route and steal, you know? And the Lord's like, no, I've told you not to steal. But if we're in God's word, we the the Holy Spirit can actually speak and remind us of God's word that we've read, right? Because we're told that The Holy Spirit has been put in us when we accept the Lord. So now the Holy Spirit has made his home in us. And when I read God's word, it allows him to remind me of what God likes and what God, what pleases him. Right? So then there have been times where I'm about to answer something back and I hear the Lord speak to me. And he says, love your enemy. And I'm like, God bless you, man. God bless you. I hope he blesses you real good. (laughs) No, but then we pray for their salvation, right? How great would it be if your enemy humbled himself before the Lord and became your Christian brother or sister and loved you and loved the Lord? That'd be crazy. And some of us have the heart of, of Jonah. Where the Lord's like, I want to speak to your enemy. And we're like, no, Lord, I want you to bust them up. Like, I want to pray prayers like King David. Lord, knock their jaw out of their face. Make them eat gravel. And the Lord's like, hey, <laughs> love your enemy. Pray for them. Bless them. And that's tough stuff. That's really hard. So, um, so they're throwing these lots, right, to find the Lord's will. And it's fine because in Proverbs it says men cast the dice or men cast the lot, but God determines how they fall. So we have a God who rules over everything. So he told them, listen, only the priests and the leaders can cast these lots and I will tell them what to do. And they were dividing up the land, right? So now we're up to the division of the descendants of Joseph. And we saw that half of the tribe of Manasseh was on the other side of the Jordan, they chose that, it was nice land, but it also made them wide open to the enemy, kept them wide open to the enemy. Uh, Ephraim was able to get land, now we're on the other half of Manasseh, and uh, last week we ended with um, Ephraim had their lands, but they couldn't get some of the Canaanites out, as according to God's will, where the Lord said, Get rid of the people in the land. And we've talked about this before. Uh, some of us look at that and say, oh, that's really mean, right? But God had give them, given the people of this land hundreds of years to repent, and they did not repent. In fact, they continued to get worse and worse. And the Lord states in his word, the stench of their sins has reached me in heaven, and the fullness of it is done I need to get them out of my land. So if you understand that God owns this land and the people were there just like tenants and he had warned them through prophets before, stop doing what you're doing. Stop sacrificing your children to Molech. Stop eating your children. Stop abusing, you know, the the people around you. Stop abusing each other. I mean, the the practices that you read about are detestable, like, like the type of thing that makes you almost like vomit in your mouth. You're just like, are you kidding me? They did that to each other, and um, and the Lord's like, it's done. They don't listen to me. That's it. Their time is done. So He sends in Israel as His His tool to clean the land, and then He says to Israel, since you're obedient, you can stay on the land, and we have a contract. As long as you continue to follow after me, then you have kept to the mortgage agreement of the land. But if you don't keep to the mortgage agreement of the lands, I will kick you out. Now, the Lord compared to the banks that we have today was very, very, very forgiving. Because if you look at how long They continued to uh, not keep to the mortgage agreement. It was for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. That's why he kept them out of the land for 70 years. That's how many Sabbath years they owed the Lord. 70 years. Now, if you think you're good at maths, God is even better. He invented it. So for 70 years, he kept them out because that's how many Sabbath years they owed him. Right? And then he told them, I'll bring you back after that. He's good. I've never seen a bank that'll take the house away from you and then say, you just stay out for a little while and then I'll bring you back. Okay. Guys, you know, our, our mortgage agreements are like, you miss one month, you're out. <laughs> We're taking the house. Repossession. <laughs> the Lord is kind. And that's what Jonah didn't like. Right? Jonah, Jonah even said it to the Lord's face. He says, Lord, you're kind and you're merciful and you're forgiving. And that's what I don't like about you because I know you're going to forgive my enemy. <laughs> and in the meantime, we, we act the same way, right? Grace is good for me, but not for others. It's okay for me, but don't give grace to others because then I'm upset right? When the Lord gives grace to somebody and we're like, you were kind to that dirty scoundrel? I can't believe you, Lord. And the Lord's like, you're a dirtier scoundrel. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, we don't have to look at me, Lord. You know, let's not, it's not about me. It's about this guy we're talking about, right? So we see that, um, you know, that other tribe, they were given uh, this land. They couldn't, Ephraim couldn't get the people out. So now, um we see the problem of Manasseh and e- Ephraim is mostly that they sit back and they like to talk about how God has blessed them, and that's what makes them great, right? The Lord told them, I'll multiply your people, um and because of Joseph's faithfulness, they see a lot of blessing. So now they think that that blessing is because they're great. they're awesome. So we're gonna see what they say to um, to Joshua here. So, um, we left off at verse 13. It said later, uh, verse 12, but the descendants of Manasseh, and this is, this is Manasseh. And we saw the thing with Ephraim, the same thing with Ephraim, but the descendants of Manasseh were unable to occupy these towns because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. And I liken this to, to our sin as new Testament believers, right? Sometimes, you know, the Lord rules, But our sin is determined to stay in us. And there's a lot of problems with our sin. And I've told you this before, the main problem with our sin is that we like it. We just don't admit it. That's why it stays, because I like it. It's pleasurable, it's good, I have a good time. That's why my sin stays. And when people are trying to save me, hey, you can't be doing that. I'm like, get off my back, right? No, that's just me, right? I know all you guys are like sinless. It's all good, right? But That's our problem with sin. We like it. And then we come, and then when we are sick of it, we're sick of ourselves, and we're sick of this sin, right? We go to it, and we try to get it out, and it's like it's like a weed that has really deep roots, and we're trying to pull at it, and it's not coming out. And the second problem is it gets tiring to try to get it out, right? We're like, I've tried before, man. I give up. I give up. I just keep falling into this. Right? So then we give up. The other problem that we have with our sin is not that we give up. We, we don't think it's that bad. We may be sick of it. It may be hard to pull up. But then we kind of like justify it. With, it's not that bad. No, Nobody really sees it. I'm just having a good time. And it only affects me. I've had that talk with people where they say, hey, listen, my sin isn't that bad. It only affects me. I do it while nobody's looking, you know? Nobody knows I got this problem. It's not really. And I've seen it firsthand in my life, and the scripture says it, that we don't belong to ourselves. Actually, everything that we do, whether good or evil, affects the loved ones around us, and it's almost like a ripple pool. And I've told you before, I saw it with my daddy. My dad was stuck in sin. And then when he was older, he left us, right? And he said to to us, he left us the first time. I was about 14 years old, right? And he says, I'm my own man. I could do whatever I want, which was a true statement. He could do whatever he wanted. But he didn't know that it affected his seven children and his wife. And then everybody else that looked at him as a pillar, right? And I find the same thing in myself. When I mess up, if it affects everybody around me that loves me or that trusts me or that works with me. And then when I do good, it affects everybody around me. They are also blessed. And we have a choice that I can actually do what blesses me and those around us, or I could go after my own selfish pleasure and it will affect people. Because remember, your sin doesn't stay hidden. Everything comes to light. The Lord tells us this in his word. And if you don't find that scary and you're doing things, you will be scared when it comes out. You will be. So then... um, they don't try to get rid of their sin. Um, it says, to, uh, verse thirteen later. However, when the Israelites became strong enough, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves, so they couldn't get rid of them. So they tried to make it work for them, and we see that that actually, you know, as we read throughout Scripture, it actually becomes a blemish in them because even though they didn't think it was that bad, or and they made it work for them, it still infected them, right? It's like you having like cancer tumors and instead of going to get rid of them and the doctor's like, yo, listen, we could just take that out. It's not that bad. And you're like, no, no, it's OK. I'm just going to put a bow on it. Nobody will notice. What? You'd be everybody be like, you're ridiculous. Go get taken care of, especially here where, you know, you don't have to pay the bills that like some people pay around the world. Right when we go get things taken care of. It'd be ridiculous. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to put face paint on it. Look, see, it's fine. You know, everybody thinks it's just another person on my arm. What? (laughs) Try to make it work for you. It doesn't work. It kills you in the long run. You know, and I've said before that sometimes as we don't get rid of sin... It sacrifices our children to it. You lose your kids, your children, because of things that you couldn't get rid of. But that's a conversation between you and the Lord, not you and me. So, But they did not drive them out of the land. Verse 14, the descendants of Joseph, so this is where we get into it. The descendants of Joseph came to Joshua and asked, Why have you given us only one portion of land as our homeland when the Lord has blessed us with so many people? All right, so they're coming. You know, you look at it in in the different translations, then they say, why have you given us such little land? We are such a great people, a great multitude. We are so blessed. What are you talking about? And you hear the echoes of people that, that are like, they say things like, I don't understand why people don't appreciate me more, right? I need to be more, I I need to have more uh, ministry power within the church. People don't understand me. You know, like, I've had these conversations with people, right? And you sit there and you're like, okay, that's, that's cool. What's funny is usually the people that say that, I haven't seen them do a thing. And they're like, I should have more appreciation. People should be respecting me in my work, in the workplace or respecting me in my home. And I should be doing this. But then you have to ask yourself, how are you living your life if you're not getting that? What are the things that you're doing? Listen how Joshua answers them. Joshua replied, if there are so many of you, if you are so great of a people... If there is su- such a multitude with you. And if the hill country of Ephraim is not large enough for you. Clear out land for yourselves in the forest where the Perizzites and the Raphaites live. He tells them, listen, if you think you're so great, let's see you do the work. Right? Oh, okay. So this is how they answer him. The descendants of Joseph responded, it's true that the hill country is not large enough for us. But all the Canaanites in the lowlands have iron chariots, both those in Bethshan and its surrounding settlements and those in the Valley of Jezreel. They are too strong for us. So, So one second ago, they were saying that they are great people. There are so many of us just You can't hold us back, Joshua. And then Joshua's like, all right, let me see you go take the land. Um. Uh, what was the excuse we were going to use? Uh, I stubbed my toe. You know, like, I used to play with kids in New York all the time like this, right? We'd be play, playing American football out in the streets, right? You're scoring a touchdown, and they're like, I almost had you, but I tripped. Yeah, keep talking. <laughs> but you didn't. Had me, (laughs) and I scored the touchdown. You know, and they make up all these excuses, and I would play with these kids that had excuses all the time, and they were the same kids that would get mad at you, and then they're saying, "I'm going home, and I'm taking my ball too." (laughs) All right, you know, me and my brothers, we kind of poor. We ain't we ain't own our own ball. But you still talk to junk. And you're like, yeah, take your ball. Nobody wants you around here. (laughs) And they walk away. And then you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. (laughs) So what are we going to do now? And then we realized there were a a bunch of balls that people would kick on top of the school building. right? But the school building was five stories. So we learned how to climb. (laughs) Free balls. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) So we came home. I remember one time we're playing with this ball. And somebody comes by and goes, where'd you get that ball? And we're like, "Um, we found it on top of the building. And they're like, that's my ball. I lost that like two years ago. (laughs) Well, now you got to pay a fee to get it back. (laughs) You know? We went and got it back for you. (laughs) So it's our ball. (laughs) We gave it back. We're like, here, man, whatever. I got like 19 more. So but isn't it true? Right. There's a lot of talkers out there and we may be the talkers at times. And Joshua's like, hey, listen, I hear what you're saying, but I don't see what you're doing about it. And even in this Christian faith, there's a lot of talkers. Oh, I do this. I do that for the Lord. Oh, man. And then you don't see any fruit. And what did Jesus tell us? He said, hey, don't judge people by what they're saying. He says, inspect the fruit. What have they done? So Jesus tells us, be fruit inspectors. Hey, I'm not judging anybody, right? I'm not telling you. He just says, inspect their fruit. So if you see a Christian who says they're a a tree, then you should see good Christian fruit coming off of it. You should see what they've done. You should see people that have been blessed by what they've done. You should see um, the Lord's blessings in their lives. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. Because you come inspect my life, you're going to see, like, yeah, sometimes Dave messes up. Do you know why? I'm still human. I tried to change it. It doesn't work. All right? I'm still human. I still mess up. But you will be able to see, Lord willing, in my life good fruit. And how does good fruit come by? By accident? Oh, man. how did that happen? No. It comes with living purposefully for the Lord. Purposefully. It comes with allowing the Lord to work in your life, the Holy Spirit to like really fertilize around you, being obedient when he tells you to get those sins out of your life. And you try hard. And and there's still things I'm working on to try to get out of my life, to uproot it. And sometimes I get tired, too. And I'm like, man. But I need the, the help of the Lord to help me to do it. And there are times of victory. So we can walk in that victory and say, you have done this, Lord. Because it would be a lie if I stood up here and told you, these are the things I have done. I have uprooted all sins in my life. Yeah, fat chance. Jesus helped me. I couldn't do it alone. Because there were sins in my life that I just couldn't get rid of. I tried. And and there's one that I talk about. and, And I used to have an anger problem. Which would sometimes step into a rage problem. And I couldn't stop it. Because it was ignited. I was well practiced in losing it. I was I was a pro. I had learned from my daddy, who was like the pro of pro. He had a master class. You know, you ever pay for those master classes? Me neither. But <laughs> my dad could have taught a master class on raging out, right? You can ask any of my brothers, my sister, my mother. My man was like, Magic. Like one second, you're all happy. You're talking. Boom. Whoa, guys, nuts. (laughs) What's going on? Things are getting broken in the house. You know, people flying through windows. What's going on? Right. And I laugh about it now, but back then you're dead scared and you learn something. You know what I learned from my daddy? My sin nature taught me. And I learned from my daddy that if you rage out, you win every time. But you don't really win, you think you win because nobody's willing to go in to talk, have the hard chat with you. You actually stop growing, you stop maturing. And that's what the Lord showed me. Dave, you have a roadblock that you've made in your life because nobody can speak to you about meaningful and important things that you need to grow about because you have no self-control. You just get angry when people talk to you about it instead of saying, let me hear the truth that is being spoken so that I can change, so that I can, I can sit there and please you, Lord. And once I was able, I mean, it, it was hard. It was very difficult, but the Lord began to help me. So today, if you come to talk to me, not today, but you know, in today's times, you come and talk to me and, and I don't rage out. The Lord is helping me. I'm all right. I remember one time I wasn't standing here. I was back there and this guy was just yelling in my face and my brothers were here and they said, why was that guy yelling at you? And I left chuffed cuz I was like I didn't lose it. <laughs> I was cool guy spitting in my face and I'm all like the whole time I'm like Jesus help me. I don't even know what he's saying. Jesus help me. Help me Jesus. And for me, that was a victory, right? And he was he I don't know why he was I know why he was yelling at me but had nothing to do with me. He was mad at someone else. So he thought he'd take it out on me. And I thought, you know, okay, bro, that's fine. And I'm standing there and I got like four other brothers standing there. And they're like, I see them look over and I look at them and I'm like, it's cool. (laughs) It's all right. You know? And they're like, oh, you're all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool. I'm all right. You know? And the Lord is good. He helps us. And he is victorious for us. So um, it's not your pride and arrogance uh, that, that kind of get you through things. You see, they, they weren't able to take out um, these Canaanites. And they said that statement, they are too strong for us. And that's a true statement when it comes to the things that we need to uproot in our lives. Why do you think they're in there in the first place? They're too strong for us, but they're not too strong for our Savior. They're not too strong for our Savior. So it's not our pride and arrogance um, that give us victory, right? It's not our big talk. So scripture tells us in Proverbs uh, 14, verse 23. Now, I didn't give these verses to the people in the back because um, I wanted to keep them on their toes. And um, so Proverbs 14, verse 23 reads like this Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty, right? Sometimes we're just talkers. We talk a big game. And this is what Ecclesiastes says. And this is, this is Solomon writing to us, Ecclesiastes 5, 7. Talk is cheap, like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead right? And what are we told? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And when wisdom speaks to us and we understand, I need to listen to what God tells me to do. You are going to see fruit in your life. I'm not talking about being self-righteous and being legalistic. I'm talking about just listening to Jesus and living with joy before him. Just saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to be kind to my family And I need your help as I do it. I'm going to be kind to my wife or I'm going to be kind to my husband. And I'm going to, I'm going to respect my husband. Like you tell me in your word, or as a husband, I'm going to love my wife. Like you tell me in your word, in your word. And if you're single today, you need to be seeking the Lord, right? Just like married people do. Just like married people do. You need to be seeking the Lord. And there's something, there There was wisdom that was given to me before I ever met um, Claire and and anything. I was working in ministry, and this guy said to me, he said, uh, hey, or, to my brothers and I, he said, hey, are any of you guys married? And we said, no, none of us are married. He goes, okay, look, listen. You need to find yourself a wife that will double your ministry. Because if she doesn't double your ministry she will cut it in half and then disqualify you. Well, if you put it like that, I ain't looking for nobody. <laughs> you, know, it's like, you know what I mean? I'm like, wow. But what he was saying was, you need to be equally yoked. Right? <laughs> equally yoked. So as you're working, your co-laborer is there with you and you're working hard. But if you have somebody that does not want to work with you and you're like, oh, I love you. I love you. Guess what's going to happen? The work is going to stop. Because you're going to have to go tend to your your co-worker all the time. Not tend to them, but like try to convince them to actually, hey, come on, let's let's work. Come on, let's do this. But when you find, that's why the scripture says, when a man finds a wife, he has found a a, a blessing from the Lord. He has found a beautiful thing. When he's found a competent wife. And then we find in Proverbs 31, this is for all the men out there, Proverbs 31 tells us that there's a job that the wife did, right? And she allows her husband to sit at the gates with the elders. Because if she didn't want to allow him, she could make her life like it say, his life like it says in Proverbs. A nagging woman is like a, a constant drip. It is better for the man to live in the corner of his roof than to be with her whoa. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know, my wife does not nag me. I praise the Lord for that, right? She does not nag me. She just gives me that look, <laughs> right? the look that's like, you kidding me? <laughs> you kidding me? You just bought another car. you kidding me? No, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. (laughs) That's tomorrow. Um, No, but honestly, for real. Like there is no blessing like having a spouse that loves the Lord more than you, is willing to listen to the Lord, is willing to co-labor with you, and to encourage you as you go and do the things the Lord has set you out to do. And you can do the same for them. You know, I was talking to guys, but it's, you know, for girls, listen, if you want to serve the Lord and you feel the Lord saying, "Hey, you know, there's there's somebody out there for you, pray for them. Pray that it's a man that loves the Lord more than he loves you. But not to the sense of where he just throws you to the side. But if he loves the Lord more than he loves you, he will listen to the Lord when the Lord says, love your wife. Okay? I love my wife. Because I know you guys think like uh, like this world, and, and sometimes I did too, that love is a feeling. Oh, it's a feeling. Love is a choice. You wake up in the morning, and sometimes you don't feel like loving anybody, but you have made a choice to love that other person no matter what, till death do you part. So you have two choices. Either be obedient to the Lord and love that person or start plotting their death. (laughs) And I don't think that second choice is a good choice (laughs) because you ain't going to be coming to church very long. (laughs) I'll be visiting you in prison. (laughs) All right. So that is not a choice. It's a joke. Don't do it. (laughs) But Pastor Dave told me. Pastor Dave going to slap you. (laughs) All right. Anyway. So, so then we see that, um, that the Lord tells us, listen, talk is cheap action, action. So Matthew 16 verse 24 tells us, uh, action. And this is the action that the Lord would love for us to do. And, and you know, it's an invitation, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, talk a big game, be arrogant and talk about how great you are, right? That's what the text says. No, it says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. Action, action, action. That's what we need to do if we want to follow Jesus. Sometimes the things, you know what love requires? Love requires a sacrifice. That if I love Jesus, I will sacrifice and follow after him. That if I love my husband, I don't have a husband. If I love my wife or if you love your husband or wife or whatever, there will be sacrifice in that relationship. You will sacrifice things. You cannot, I can't live in my house like a bachelor anymore. I can't just go out with the buddies whenever I want. And that's a decision I made. Because I need my daughters to be okay. I need my wife to be okay. Right? It doesn't mean I don't hang out with people. You guys know I hang out. But I hang out when it's all good. When, you know, when I know she's cool. Like, it's good. And then you might trick yourself and say, well, my wife and I have a different arrangement. And the arrangement is, you just live your selfish life and leave her to the dogs. That might be your arrangement. That's a stinky arrangement. You need to live your life before the Lord so that you know you're right before him. And he will bless your path. And I'm not talking about money and wealth and all these things. I'm talking about solid, good relationships. I'm talking about that when you do make money, you don't squander it because you're making right decisions. I'm talking about when you have children, you're starting to build them up so that they could be strong men and women that follow after the Lord. Beautiful things in your life. So we come to this point where... um, I lost, my, I lost my, uh, my text here. There we go. No, that's not it either. <laughs> there it is. So we come to this point where the descendants respond and they're like, hey man, like you're right, but we can't beat these guys. Uh, so it's not our a- pride and arrogance, but our believing in the Lord that gives us victory and expands our borders, right? When I believe the Lord and I walk with him, he is victory for me. He's the one that helps our ministry to grow. He's the one that leads us in places. I can't sit there and say, I did it, I did it. No, just like my little brother reminded me, and I've said this before, that when we do something good in life, it means that we started to listen, right? Whether you're doing great in business, whether you're doing great in in your home life or whatever, All you have done is you have learned to listen to wisdom, right? Because we know that there are crooked ways to make money, right? Illegal ways to make money. And this is what I've seen. Listen, I've known drug dealers. I've known mafia people. I've known them all, right? And some of them are still alive. And most of them don't have the money that they used to. Because fast money goes fast. It's gone. There's no wisdom in it. And the Lord says that with a fool, his money is soon departed, like putting money in pockets with holes. So your talking doesn't accomplish things, but your humble talk and walk with the Lord, that's what gets you places. Then Joshua said to the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph, since you are so large and strong, you will be given more than one portion. And and he reiterates what he just told him. He says, I will give you another portion and it's going to be the portion I just told you I'll give you and you need to go do the work to go get it. Okay. It's not going to be a free game for you. You got one portion for free. Now the other portion is going to require work, but he doesn't come down on them. And I see the Lord's heart in Joshua. Like, Remember, Joshua is like uh, like a picture, a foreshadowing of Christ. And we see Joshua is like really kind with them and he encourages them. Just like when, um, if you remember, do you remember when Jesus is preaching and, and John the Baptist is in prison? And John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to go ask Jesus if he's really the one. After John had made that procl- proclamation before everybody, uh, and he said, I see the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and then he baptizes Jesus, and he knows who Jesus is, and he says, this is the Messiah, the one I have no right to even tie his sandals, right? But, but right now, he's, he's disillusioned. He's come to a hard time. He's in prison, and John knows it might be the end for him, which we find out later it was the end for him. He was beheaded and his head brought to, brought to the queen and her daughter on a silver platter. So John, before this happens, he says, go ask Jesus if he's really the one. I just, I don't know. I, things have gotten hard and hope is fleeting. And you know what Jesus says to him. He doesn't say, hey, go back to John and tell him to man up. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say, go back to John and tell him to stop being such a doubting Thomas, even though Thomas hasn't doubted me yet. I know what's going to happen, and he's going to be a doubting Thomas. So anyway, I'll talk to Thomas about that later. You know, that's not what Jesus said. You know what Jesus said? Go tell John that what's written in prophecy is being fulfilled. Go set John's heart at ease. Go tell him. And then when they're walking away, he says, you know, John the Baptist, anybody, he is greater than anyone born of woman. Okay, (laughs) that would be everyone, right? And then Jesus says, but the least in my kingdom is greater than John. That's huge. But he encourages John. We see the the heart of the Lord there. He encourages John when John is a bit, he's like disillusioned, doesn't have much hope. And he tells John, pick up his head. He's done, he's done good. So we see Joshua here and Joshua treats them the same way. He says, then Joshua said to the tribe of Uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph, since you are so large and strong, you will be given more than one portion. The forests of the hill country will be yours as well. Clear as much of the land as you wish and take possession of its farthest corners. And you will drive out the Canaanites from the valleys too, even though they are strong and have iron chariots. He doesn't say, you bunch of babies. Right? (laughs) That's what I would say. right? If, if somebody comes to me, oh, I want more. I'm like, you want more, go get more. And they're like, yeah, but it's tough. I'm like, you're a baby, <laughs> right? Go home and cry to your mama. <laughs> what are you talking about? You want more, but you can't get more, right? It's like when I've, I've had um, uh, people with money, right? Like, I've heard them say, like, I know this guy, right? And uh, a missionary came to him. And I know this guy. He makes money, right? He makes, he makes money, like more than a million a year. And the missionary came to him and said, oh, um, would you be able to give to this, this thing I'm doing? Uh, I just need like, I, guys, it was like a couple hundred pounds. And you know what the person said to them? He said, why don't you get a job like I do and make your own money? <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, <laughs> and I, I, I was like, are you sure you should have said that to them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, I work hard for my money. And I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, Give to the needy, man. Like the person is actually going out there and telling people about Jesus. This guy is not a Christian. You know? And he's like, yeah, that's great. I don't care. Uh, Okay. All right. That's not how Joshua spoke to them. Joshua said to them, I understand, but you can be strong and you can do it. And this is what Joshua knew with the Lord's help. You can be obedient to carry out what he has set before you with the Lord's help. The forests of the hill country will be yours as well. Clear as much of the land as you wish and take possession of its farthest corners. And you will drive out the Canaanites from the valleys, too, even though they are strong and have iron chariots. He says, listen, I know the struggle is real they have iron chariots. You do not. They are strong. They have bronze swords. They have fighting armor. You don't. But you could take them out. And we know that we stand here today and the enemy that we go out there and we tell people about Jesus and the enemy presses us, tries to press us back and he tries to oppress us and he tries to do every type of pressing he can do but you can be victorious with Jesus. It's not our arrogant talk that gets things done, but it's our humble walk with the Lord as we press on with him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit would help us and empower us to live this life for you, Lord, to be obedient to what you ask us to be not to live arrogant in our lives, to say, I have done it, but instead to turn and say, Lord, I know you have done it for me. Thank you. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.